to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman, and as always, so excited that you're joining us today. Now, as you listen to the show, you all know, I know I'm a broken record. You got to hear it again. I am really, really on a mission to create a movement that that word sales that we're all so afraid of, we have to change our paradigm of thinking from that icky, sleazy manipulation perspective to one of care, love, and respect. And if you're not coming from care, love, and respect, you're doing it wrong. So of course, to help you on this journey and change your mindset, I have a free gift for you. Go to my website and you'll download, well, you'll actually take a quiz and you'll get a report spotlighting your superpowers from a communication standpoint. And I also give you a report sharing your blind spots from a communication perspective, kind of both important. So go to WhitmanAssos.com slash CSA for your free communication style assessment, my gift to you. Now, let's see, my motivational quote today is by pigsandgiggles.com. I just love that. And it says, did you know Local businesses generate 70% more local economic activity per square foot than big box retail stores. Now, do you know uh, a business who has been maybe forced to close could be from COVID? And with one in five small businesses closing their doors, especially after COVID hit, um, and today's show is honoring the 20% that had to close up due to COVID due to COVID. Now, what do you think you can do to help local small businesses continue to thrive and flourish in these coming months and actually into 2022? If you are an owner of a small business, um, you're in store for a great conversation today with my amazing guest, Jacqueline Snyder. Um, now, Jacqueline is another Jersey girl, actually from California, but we'll give her a pass on that. Uh, she's a fashion designer and a product product startup expert who has helped launch over a thousand product brands over the last 12 years, including celebrity brand, uh, celebrity brands. Now, Jacqueline and Mina, cool, cool. I'm not going to say, thank you, Mina, for that. I'm just going to call you Mina, are the combined force behind the product boss. Um, They've grown a community of high achieving product based small business owners and have helped them scale their physical product business through masterminds group coaching, digital course design specifically for product-based business owners ranging from startup uh, conception to multi-million dollar companies. Please help me welcome my two amazing friends, Jacqueline and Mina, to the show. So ladies, thank you for being on. Yay. Thank you for having us. Yay. Okay. Mina, really quick. The last time we did a show, Mina, uh, Jacqueline and I did a show earlier in 2021 and Mina was unable to attend. So I had shortened the bio, but Mina, really quick, just tell everybody your background, if you don't mind, would that be okay? Sure. Um, My background for education is I have my MBA. um, I have my um, advertising degree and um, psychology minor. And I love marketing. I love why people buy marketing, the reasons why they buy. And um, I also own another business, which is low labels, which is waterproof labels for baby bottles and daycare and school and all that sort of thing. And um, I actually own that with my husband. And so we sell primarily on Amazon and um, big box and um, flash deal sites like Zulily, that, that sort of thing. And so my background cool. is, um, I, you know, Jacqueline is a fashion designer by trade. I'm kind of a mishmash of all the things. Um, I did a lot of graphic design and event planning and that sort of thing. So here I am, but, you know, as a coach and um, product business expert, but it's been through a kind of a very windy path. 
which is actually fascinating because the balance of the two of you with your expertise, right, brings even more robustness or, or depth <clears throat> to what you do, you guys do, you know, from a joint perspective. And it's funny to be serial entrepreneurs. It, it you know, I think once you start a business, you see other business opportunities everywhere, and then you start partnerships and other things that we can create. It's just seeing business, right? And I, I think that's a gift in itself. Although, I, recently with with my coaching clients they're like how do you see that i'm like don't you see that and they're like no i'm like i don't know i don't know i'm a freak what can i tell you but it's funny because we think everybody can do it and everybody can't do it so it's just fascinating when you meet business owners who are these serial entrepreneurs um we just see business so it's just really fascinating to have these conversations all right so now let's let's talk the, your your business uh, jointly. Give us a little bit of a background on really how the two of you partnered up, right, and led you to develop the product uh, boss. I'm sorry, the product boss podcast and that whole coaching platform. Yeah, I mean, you kind of led to it actually because um, I come from a very traditional standpoint of pr- product. So fashion, fashion apparel. You work with manufacturers. It's not at home sewing that kind of thing, right? And even in terms of sales for the fashion world, it's through sales reps. It's it's more of that traditional, right? So sales reps, trade shows, direct to consumer, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so that was very much my expertise. And I actually also had a product based business back, <laughs> you know, serial entrepreneurs, product based business. Consultants consulting business, all the things, plus two kids at that point. And I was actually ready to liquidate and clear out of my business, which is called Cuffs Couture. It was a wearable wrist wallet. Lots of celebrities wore it. It was sold worldwide in the traditional sense. And so as I was liquidating that part of the business or wanted to, um, I had heard of Mina on another podcast. Someone had mentioned her. Uh, she's a mentor of mine. And she had said, you know, um, Mina, who has this incredible business, little labels on Amazon. If she ever wanted to be a coach, she could coach on Amazon. So there's my ears pinged. And I was like, oh, I've got questions about Amazon. Can I liquidate my product on Amazon? So I found her on in a Facebook group, reached out to her and said, and she was so generous to offer a, uh, like a coffee chat. She called it on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just like, well, we can just hop on a call with each she other. She chatted you know? with me. She's like, I don't know you stranger, but sure. Let's talk business. Right. <laughs> Not wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so we jumped on this call and we just became fast friends. Like we, she offered me advice about not liquidating on Amazon. I was like, well, that's smart. And what I realized is Mina at that point, and this is how we used to say it. She was from a non-traditional product sales type background. So she was queued into Amazon very early. She was selling the flash deal sites, which is something that was a newer type platform. Um, she was selling to subscription boxes, right? So Mina was not going to trade shows or had sales reps. And so we said she was like the like new way of sales. Yes. And I came from more of a traditional way of sales. And at that point, five years ago, it was a hybrid where we both, we basically, we became friends and I used to speak on panels at the tech, or I used to speak at the textile show in Los Angeles and they asked me to host a panel. And so we came up with this idea back and forth. It was like, let's do this panel of experts about different sales platforms. So Mina came out to be the Amazon sales expert and we got to chatting. I was like, should we sell a mastermind at the end? You know, like, do you think there's people in the audience that might want to, you know, have this mastermind? And she's like, well, sure. We had never met each other before. This is Connie. This is like, I my brother. we knew each other's voices. We were we online talked. with each other, but we had never met each other physically, like in person. And we were looking for an Airbnb to stay at together. So we were going to stay like together at a hotel or an Airbnb. And I remember my brother being like, 
wait, Jacqueline, like, are you getting catfished? You're about to start a business <laughs> with this woman and like sell stuff. And I was like, I've seen her face. I know she's real. So it was really this kind of like love at first message listen. online. Love at first. Listen, <laughs> listen. And we did. And so we went there and we sold out this mastermind. We did this panel. We're like, we're on to something here. And then three months later, we decided that we would start the podcast. Cause what we saw was there was a lot of support to business owners on podcasts, but not specifically to product. And yeah. we, and we were huge podcast listeners and we we're like, how how can we help the product-based businesses? And so that was the beginning of 2018. And now we have this huge community, um, millions of downloads on the podcast, you know, tens of thousands of students. And it's something that her and I just would have never imagined five years ago. And we're just so lucky that we're here today. It's, it's crazy how <clears throat> the podcast world works mm-hmm. and the depth, but you know, all of a sudden it's like a web, right? You, you get mm-hmm. out there and then you share it with two people and you share it with two people. And then all of a sudden you have a million downloads. Like it's the craziest um, experience. Um, I have another question for you. I agree. I think podcasting is such a great way and such a great resource for businesses from all fronts. Okay. Now with combined, you guys have about 30 years of experience, right? In mm-hmm. This space. What yeah, advice yeah. would you offer right out right out of the gate that anyone's looking to do a product sales versus that consulting more digital realm, right? Which there's a lot of that too. Um, what would what would advice would you give? I think the first step would be you definitely need to research the heck out of everything. So I think this is a step that people skip because they go straight to the product, right? But you have to research what you want to do. So researching, you know, is this, what, what does the, um, competition look like? What does the, um, um, industry look like? Could you price at a, what does the market look like? And so even when Jacqueline was telling the story, what happened with, with us starting even the product boss, right. Was that we found a gap. We found a, um, a part of something that people weren't talking about physical product-based businesses. And we created something, we created a mastermind. So when you even think about that, we, we found whether or not there was a market for it and um, we were solving our own problems. We, saw that there was nobody to talk about product business, which is our love language to and about with all those sort of things. We felt very alone in it, right? So we decided, okay, let's start a mastermind. So that is kind of the idea, right? You have a something you start, you research it. You're like, okay, are there people out there? You kind of put it into action. It's called a minimum viable product when it's physical product-based businesses. And even for service, you can apply the same idea like our mastermind. And you see if people are willing to pay money for it and you decide, are, is there a market there and are they willing to pay you? You know, and then also like what, where is the gap? Because what we saw was that all these service based people were out there talking about different things, but as a physical product-based business owner, you had to flip it. You always had to flip what the coaching was or what the advice was. And so when we went out there, we didn't approach it as we're going to be coaches to all these people. We went out there as students thinking, what could we learn? Where are the problems? Where are the blind spots? And how can we start talking about that? And I would say, sorry, from a startup okay. expert, because when, when you're saying, do you pick product or service? Um, I think you have to decide. So product is very expensive. So from starting all of these brands, people come and they're like, I want to start a line. I want to do this. I want to do that. But they don't realize that there's such a cost, the cost mm-hmm. of goods, development, production, you know, there's basically, I remember one time I, I was, you know, there was like an intake call with someone who wanted to start a clothing line. And he's like, so you're saying 
this is for his specific brand. I have to spend $300,000 before I ever know if this is a viable product. And I was like, well, yeah, because it just costs more. So I think if you're out there thinking product or service, I I have owned both. I own service and I owned a uh, product business. The idea is, is that where is your passion? You need to really be able to dig deep no matter what your business is. So if you love product and you love creating and you love coming up with new things all the time and you can fund it in some way, which means a really smart way is minimal viable product, then go with product. But service sometimes for me is easier because like if you're an expert at anything, if Nina decided like five years ago, she wanted to be an Amazon expert, she could just say, hey, I'm an Amazon expert and take on a client and do one-on-one, which then you can learn from and grow from there. So I really think, I think there's a world for both and we do nothing but like encourage product-based business owners. But I think it comes down to where your passion lies because when it gets hard, you have to be able to lean back on to why you're doing it. Yeah. And I, this is, this is true. I think for all business, right? Let's, let's even expand it to that extent, even though we're talking about product-based businesses, business is business. You have to make sure that there's a market for whatever you're talking about. And if there's not, you're wasting everybody's time. You're wasting time and money, right? Because you're spent time is money in, in my world, right? Yeah, in your yeah. world too. So I think that's really important. The other thing you guys said is, um, almost like sell it first. And, and I love Mina, you said we became a student. I'm doing air quotes for people listening on Al, uh, Apple podcast, but you became a student to see, Hey, we're struggling with this. Let's go out there, see what else is happening. And I think a lot of business owners, I have a great idea. I love this. Everybody's going to want it. And then they created, and then they get crickets because they didn't either dial into the market. They didn't dial into the messaging. There's so many moving parts to creating anything again, whether service-based or like 300,000 for this gentleman to create a, a line, right? A, a, yeah. a actual fashion line. So I think that we have to do research. Everybody pause before you start running. You know, the sky is falling. I have to open my business. I think that's where, where we, we see a lot of, um, and I hate the word failure, but where, where businesses don't get off the ground. And yeah, that, you- that's sad. You burn out faster. I mean, one in, like you said, one in five businesses are closing, but one in five businesses make it past their first year. So it's, it's something where I think funding, I I think everyone needs to be really realistic with what is this going to cost? And they also have to be realistic with the fact that you're going to be putting in money and a lot more money in your first year than any other year. And that's for service too, right? Because unless you can get clients up right away and you can run things. So I think a lot of it comes down to finance as well. Um, But what you said, this was actually a big changeover for Mina and I from the product boss is that we had always done masterminds, which was kind of like group coaching. It was a little Mm -hmm. bit like we had to find, you know, eight people to work with us Mm -hmm. and we brought them into this group. We were given advice once by a marketing ads expert that was like, have you thought about making a course? And we hadn't, we didn't know the course world yet in terms of making it ourselves. And we didn't know. And we're like, we don't know what we're doing. She's like, well, how about this? What if this is that minimum viable product idea? What if you created a sales page, you outlined what this course would deliver and you tried to sell it to the people on your list. And we only had 800 people on our email list at that point. And she's like, what if you just tried that? It was no cost to us other than putting up a sales page and thinking through it. And she's like, and, and based on that, how many sales would you have to make to be able to like actually bring this course to fruition? Cause That's like right. if we, if we did it and we didn't hit our goal, we could just tell people, you know, we tried, but we're not doing it. So I think we said two. 
And then we were like, really, we were like, let's sell to two people. And then we really pushed it to 10. We're like, okay, 10 people. Um, then we'll actually do this course. And we sold it to a list of 800 and we sold 40 of them. Wow. We sold it. And so it paid, it paid to be built. We're like, we're on to something here. It's the same course. It's our signature course, multi-stream machine that we've updated, but it's, it's, it's the thing that has now turned our business into what it is today. So you can do that with a, with product too. You can test something. You can see if you can grow this audience. I have a client that I've worked with that doesn't is doing an equestrian line um, for teens. But with COVID and everything, it was really hard to get this clothing line out there with all everything in the world. Sure. So instead, what she did is she created social media and an email list, and she started posting about teens and equestrian. And she did some print on demand T-shirts and stuff like that. She grew her audience to five thousand people without ever having a product. So you can do these things in product or in service, um, but you just have to be willing to take action and like move forward and yeah. move forward imperfectly. It's okay. Yeah. Cause you can just shift and change as you go. Yeah. Fail forward, man. Right. We're figuring it out as we go along. And yeah. I think that's another good piece of advice. You, you have to be fluid. And one other thing I want to comment on um, is the financial. When I started my business, you know, we had two babies at home. I had a two-year-old and a five, five-year-old and you're starting a business. Like what crazy person are you? <laughs> but the company I had worked for, I was, I wangled my way to get a package. So I had an income for 13 months. Plus we had money saved um, in the bank for me to buy what I needed to buy, right. To start up this business. Um, so you, you gotta have the money guys. Like, don't think I'm going to sell a million dollars. You might sell a million dollars, but if you don't have the money to, to support you while you're getting the ground, your, your feet on the ground, right. Getting that, that startup solid. Um, and the other thing too, is that behind the scenes, you can build all of this stuff, provide some really nice content and then bring the product to market after you know that you have, like you guys, did 800 on a list and you sold 40. That's yeah. pretty good uh, ratio for conversion, right? On the, on the digital side. Nice. Right. Nina, did you want to add anything? Cause we created our waiting list, right? So in that case, we validated our minimum viable product. So <laughs> even if somebody, let's say, I know 300,000 was like a really big number. So let's say you're pouring candles, you're making jewelry or you're a potter, you're making pottery or any of those things, or you're making, you know, uh, knit hats, whatever it is. And you already have made that. Then what you can do is when you're going to launch a big collection is that you start like what you said, Connie, having the right messaging, talking about your brand, talking about your products, having the stories built out, creating the content, all those things. And then they sign up for your email list, just like how we did it. And then you have people to sell to. Yeah. Now, it's not just in the list because what you're discovering in selling to that list is if they're willing to buy, right? That's what you're trying That's to validate. Right. So yep. in a, a different case scenario, maybe nobody bought, would buy that course, multi-stream machine. And then Jacqueline and I would know it's not the right product or not the right um, customer, right? Yep. And then we would know, okay, we need to finesse a few things here or we need to figure it out. And that's how you do it for the product-based businesses too. It's like, okay, maybe they don't want handmade hats at this price or whatever, or maybe they don't want you know pottery that looks like everybody else's, you know, what's going to make me stand out, you know? So you really have to validate, you know, create uh, that list and that customer and if they're willing to buy it at that price. So and I, it's a and lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Add to what Mina's saying, because she's like not buying it at that price. And I'll bet the listeners are thinking, oh, they have to lower the price to sell it. It's not true. Yeah. We have helped so many students 
raise their price and they've mm-hmm. sold more because what happens is you're attracting the wrong type of customer that, you know, let's just say you're doing, I don't know, knit hats and you're trying to compete with target, which really my friends is never going to be your competition. So it's like $15 hats. You're like, I got to compete with target because maybe that's the world that you're in. But in fact, if they're hand knit and now you sell them for $40, you might actually attract the right customer that appreciates the fact that they're hand knit, that they're made in America, that they're made out of wool and they're going to pay 40 bucks. And so I just want everyone to think when they're thinking about pricing, it's not always making the price lower to sell more. It could be that you raise the price and you attract the right customer. The reality is it's perceived value. The buyer has to see the perceived value in whatever it is that you're selling, whether it's tangible or an intangible, what's the value to me and what's the price point I'm willing to pay for that value, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever my problem or issue is that I'm trying to, you know, keep my head warm in the winter, right? Whatever, whatever that is. I, so I want to stay on this topic for another minute. What's the trick or what have you guys found in the past five years, really, and in your whole business careers that how do you get more eyes on the business? So yes, we have the list. Yes, we dial in to try to find our ideal client, but what are some strategies that you help your clients so that it helps get more eyes on whatever you're creating? Yeah. Um, so Jacqueline, and I teach from um, what we call POP, pop marketing. We just use those, that acronym. So the way you get more visibility and more brand awareness is paid, organic, or partnership. So paid would be like Google ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, that sort of thing. Billboard, even there's traditional marketing too. billboard, uh, TV commercials, radio commercials. Then there's organic word of mouth, email marketing, social media, um, that sort of thing. And then there's partnership, which is like affiliate influencers. Perhaps you do a collaboration and then that way you're always trying to get more eyes in your business. And then we also have the directory, the small business shopping directory with shop one and five. We could get into that in a little bit here, but that directory is like a online directory of small businesses. So that would probably fall into paid, right? So I had skipped over that, but there's lots of different places where you either pay to get more eyes or you organically boots to the ground, get it yourself. Yeah. And it's funny when I started my business 20 years ago, you guys are kids compared to me. (laughs) (laughs) When I started my business 20 years ago, it was uh, funny because it was all referral based for me. I had the industry I was in because I kind of grew up in finance, right? My MBA is in finance and I had all my licenses, right? So who, you know, people within that you work with, think I'd been working 20 years prior to open my business. How many people do you meet during your, your stints in corporate? So I had people who had left and gone to these different companies. So when I opened my doors, I just reached out to the people I knew and I said, hey, listen, but here's the thing. They knew my reputation. They had worked with me in some capacity right at our previous roles. They knew my level of teaching and coaching and my bandwidth with sales, right? My knowledge with sales. So as I reached out, they were like, oh my God, you got to talk to my CEO. Oh my God, you got to talk to my learning and and development director. So it was all organic, Mina, exactly what you're saying. And I... Here's the thing. I had the money in the bank and I had the reputation already built. So it was very easy to get. And when I say easy, I mean, there's effort there, but it was easy to get um, the feet off the ground. I just want to comment one more thing. COVID hit. What happened to all my corporate clients that had been there for 20 years? 
the world stop, man. I, they, they didn't need me. I understood. We didn't know how long things were going to last, right? All of these, um, the fear that came with COVID, which I understood. But me as a business owner, thank God again, we had money in the bank. We had a year's, uh, one, one full year of money in the bank, which we pretty much depleted. But that's okay, right? Because I had to keep spending money on now what do I do? I have to go more virtual than me doing this live stuff. And it's whether you create a product or it's, it doesn't matter. We all pivoted in some way. I'm sure you guys pivoted in some way in, in COVID and teaching your clients, how do you survive when the world has stopped? And I think it actually has served us. Now, look, COVID people died. I am not minimizing the impact of COVID. So please don't take it that way. But COVID has affected business. I think if you were agile and you pivoted and you rethought your business model, I think there was a tremendous amount of opportunity, which is exactly what I found with me. So like you guys, I'm now coaching small business owners. I had been corporate. I, I didn't, I didn't even know there was a need until I started networking. And all of a sudden, like a Jacqueline would say, I think I need to have a conversation with you. Sure. Sure. And then after talking to me, they're like, I have gaps. I need help. Yeah. So see it opened a door, but you have to be open. You have to be agile. You have to be fluid. You have to have the money in the bank. All of those pieces, of the puzzle allows you to pivot and shift and create whatever that next big thing is for you. So Getting your eyes on the right clients, I think it's almost easier and harder at the same time. What do you guys think? <laughs> I mean, you're right. And and we actually said this yesterday because we did our kind of end of year podcast. We're like, <laughs> someone recently on social media posted our podcast from 2020. It's 2020 is going to be the best year ever. And then she posted it as like a haha, remember 2020. Um, but you know, the thing is, is entrepreneurship in general will always have ups and downs. So what happened in 2020 was it was global and we were in it together. And that was like a huge thing was that we were going through it together because otherwise all of us individually in our own homes have our own things that happen and we all deal with them at different times and feel very alone. So the beautiful thing about 2020 is we weren't alone. We were together, not together, but together, you know, and trying to just get through it. And I think and I agree. And we said this yesterday, we we're like, it was a horrible year. We lost so many lives, but it was a, it was a global awakening. And also the fact that as business owners, we could go through it together and it created community and it created um, innovation and it created pivoting and being agile. And there's all these things now that we see, there's like this hybrid model, kind of like what you're saying, we got online, there are retailers, there are stores that were never online that didn't have websites that had to all of a sudden have websites. There are ways now, you know, that we used to, you know, order, let's just talk about Amazon, Amazon, you would order and you would need a return. Well, now Amazon has made it that you can return at whole foods and you can return at Kmart's and there's and things Kohl's. like that, right? Yeah. So, or yeah, cool. So there's like this hybrid. And so it kind of made our lives a little, it, it just fast forwarded all of us to the future of like all right. this innovation that was almost of convenience. Like my mom, my grandma's on Instacart ordering her groceries now, you know? Um, so I think, I think no matter what we take it as this, this, oh, this thing that we've all learned together and the people that we saw survive were the ones that were willing to pivot. They were willing to pivot and they were willing to survive. And when they were, they could, they just kept going. And I think that's so much a part of entrepreneurship and listen, there are other things that happened in this world that probably didn't work out for some people. And it's, and it's not yeah. because they weren't willing to pivot. It's just whatever their situation was. Yes. And so, you know, I think, 
I think if we can always just lean back on this idea of 2020 and being like, look at all the amazing things each of us did that we weren't ready to do, but we did anyways. Any other year, as we go through any other hardships, we just kind of pull back on that and say, okay, that's what I I used to do after I had my first babies. I was like, I pushed this kid for three and a half hours. I can hold this yoga pose. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You know, we did this. We can do it. We can do hard things together and on our own. Yeah. Amen, sister. That was just beautiful, Jacqueline. That was really beautiful and agree. Um, yeah, agree 100%. Nina, anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I think that one of the things that we really saw was that the people that were able to move forward were the ones that really had a support system. They had a community around them. And the people that were in our community, um, they actually thrived. We had people who were getting their best years ever. People, not a lot of people were going out of business, at least in our community. You know why? Mm -hmm. Because we had each other. And so if you didn't have people to push you through the hard times or to be with you to understand that you needed some encouragement, right? Um, there was two camps that we saw. We saw people that just were stuck. They just stopped. And then the other camp of people were the people that had other people around them saying, you need to keep selling. You need to keep moving forward. Yeah. We all have to pivot together. Yeah. And that was the hard part, right? Because a lot of times you're, you're even my go-to was like, okay, I need to pull back a minute, Right. But if I didn't have Jacqueline or I didn't have the community, I, who knows what I would have done, you know, but because I did, I, and I had that support system. I was like, I just need to move forward and I need to do it. And I need to sell, even though it feels very uncomfortable. And during that time, people were like, should I even be selling? I feel a little bit guilty or, you know, there were so many, we had never felt those feelings before, you know? And we weren't sure how people were going to react and people were very stressed out. And there was frontline workers, my husband being one of them, you know, so it was just like, and then our kids were home. I mean, Lord help us all in that case, you know, sanity. (laughs) and it was just a lot. So for the business owners that were able to pivot, they were the ones that we saw that had a community around them, you know, that were, you know, not only willing to pivot, but that they had support to encourage them through it. Yeah. And, and that is such an important piece of the puzzle. Uh, Mina agree. You can't do it alone. And here's mm-hmm. the, here's the, the, the problem, right? Business owners. Yes. We're courageous because we're like, I could do that. Right. I could do that. I'm, I'm uh-huh. not afraid to jump, you know, to jump in the deep end. The flip side of that is though, I'm the business owner. I have to do it all. And we're afraid to ask for help. We don't know how to ask for help. We don't know who to go to, right? That list goes on. So I remember when COVID hit, right. And everything stopped. And my husband lost his job. <laughs> so we had zero income coming in. Let me tell you, there was a lot of gulps and a lot of sick stomach for a couple of days. Right. And then I remember my husband and I sat because we're truly partners. We're almost married 30 years. Um, so, yeah, truly my partner. But anyway, I remember saying to him, I, had, I hired a marketing company and a branding company and hired a coach. So I was spending through my business, probably three to $4,000 a month. Forget about the house bills and all of the other things. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you do? And, and I, he said to me, what, what do you think you should do? Cause you trust me because I had already been in business 20 years. And I said, I have to keep spending the money. I don't know how long this is going to last, but here's the deal. If I don't digitize, educate myself, get partners, blah, blah, blah. And the list went on and on and on that I knew I needed to do. Didn't know how I was going to do it. But I said, if I don't keep spending this money and getting my messaging clear and all I'm done, what happens if COVID lasts a year? 
I'm done that I can't go back live to my clients. So he said, I trust you. I said, what's the worst? And then this is the thing too. I think people listening need to understand this was the thought. What's the worst that happens? We sell the house. We take that equity. We get another year or two, right? Or whatever to live off of, which would never, I would get a job, right? And have income coming in because I'm not lazy, but and we can move in with my parents. We can move in with his mom. But there was an alternative. Now, did we want to do that? Hell no. But if we <laughs> had to, better than bankruptcy, right? I said, that's the worst that happens. We sell the house and we move We, we move in with my mom and dad. So funny. You and I had the same plan. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> my husband's a Broadway actor. Everybody's so worst case scenario. Shut down. Wait, your, your, your husband, parents. say that again. I my know. Husband's- <laughs> <laughs> my husband's a Broadway actor, so he couldn't work, right? The 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 industry yes. shut down. And yes. I remember because I come from a place of scarcity. I'm great at sales, but come from a place of scarcity. Okay. So I remember like I used to work with my coach on worst case scenario. And it was like, well, worst case scenario, we move in with my in-laws. So cut to the pandemic. I can work from anywhere. My kids are being homeschooled. Um, James can't work. And I um we drove back to California from New Jersey. And moved in with my in-laws. And I was like, I remember one day being like, my worst case scenario has come true. My husband's like, no, no, we have a house. It's fine. You're working online. We're choosing to do this. And I realized it was like this flipped world of like, you're right. Like we can survive and you have to kind of go to where it needs to go. And like you said, you would never be out of work for two years because you would figure something else out. Absolutely. And I think that's the superpower I touched on in the very beginning. But as entrepreneurs, that superpower of sort of just basically being able to create something out of nothing, seeing a gap in the market and filling it. And, and Mina and I have had multiple businesses now, right? Like she was a graphic designer, the way that my consulting company has really changed. I had product, I had two product-based businesses. Now we have the product boss and we both still have our other companies. side note. And Love so, it. you know, if we need to, we'll pivot and we'll figure something else out. We could have a whole course on how to podcast since we're successful podcasters mm-hmm. now. So it's just coming up with just, those ideas. I mean, our worst case scenario, I remember Jacqueline and I, so we both have degrees, right? So I have my MBA, Jacqueline has her fine arts degree. And Jacqueline was like, a oh, worst case scenario, what, what was yours? Mine was, I'll just go to work at Starbucks, right? And hers was... Uh, <laughs> I forget what it was. Oh, I used uh, to say I could go work at Paper Source. Oh yeah, Paper Source. Because <laughs> I like the store a lot. And or just like she was going to be a cashier, and and we looked at each other. We're like, isn't it funny that none of us was like, none of us were like, we'll just use our degrees and go do something else. We had said like, I'll just be a barista. We were we were like you know? overqualified to work, and I and I tried to work in fashion retail, and I couldn't do it. So I, that's why I was like, I'll take paper. <laughs> You guys are hilarious. We're almost out of time, but I do share with everyone and you touched on this, the shop one in five and we have the link and everything, but please tell us about that and then tell, uh, and I'll give your website. So anybody who's interested, listen to me, these two ladies, before we started recording, we were giggling up a storm. They're (laughs) smart. They're funny. They're lovely. They're loving. Um, I really hope that you check out their website, which let me give that real quick. And then you guys can talk about the shop one in five. Go to their website, which is theproductboss.com. Check it out. Check what they're all about. Check their signature class. All of those things. If you are interested in thinking about starting a product-based business, I would first stop. Again, remember, we need to find the resources that can support our dream and what we're trying to create. You have two wonderful women here that have a conversation. It's not the right fit. That's cool. If it's the right fit, 
they can make magic happen for you. So again, productboss.com, I I will put it in the show notes, everyone. So no worries that you have to, you know, uh, re-listen to the thing. I'll put it in the show notes. Now, one in five, please talk about that because I love this. Of course. And if anyone wants to listen to our podcast, it's the Product Boss Podcast and and where you listen. Yeah, thank Um, you. Yeah, just free info. Come, come hang out with us. We love it. Come and play. Yeah. Um, So shop one in five. So it's interesting because I actually didn't know that stat that one in five businesses shut down during the pandemic. I did not know that. So flip it. Last year during 2020, um, Mina and I saw that the small business was the hero and the small business needed our support. And a lot of us think when we think small businesses, we think Main Street USA. We think, okay, our local neighborhoods, which is true. But there are also so many small businesses online, whether you're a small service-based business, a small product-based business. Mina is a small business out of her home that sells on Amazon, but it's still run by her and her husband and her family helps, like works for them, right? So we decided that we wanted to create a pledge called the Shop One in Five Pledge, where we all pledge to make one in five of our purchases from a small business online or offline. And so we know that our dollars can make an impact. They can keep businesses open. And so I will talk from a local perspective. If you're driving, you know, and you're on your way to Target and normally you stop at Starbucks, drive through and da, 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 maybe make a decision that you're going to go to your local toy shop or you're going to maybe run by your local coffee shop one out of the five days that you get coffee. So really just trying to bring this into your awareness of can I make a concerted effort to shop one in five of my purchases from a small business. Then the other side of this is that we realized, especially during the pandemic, when retail was shut down, was that the consumer didn't know how to find small businesses. And so what we did this holiday season in 2021 is we're pushing gift small, gift from small businesses. And so we created the shop one in five small business shopping directory, which is a directory of hundreds of product-based businesses that all of you can shop from. They're global. We have Canada, Australia, the UK, the US, um, Australia, actually, I think also, and you can actually go and shop. You can discover brands based on categories, what you're looking for. And then you just click on a button from our directory and you can shop directly from the, the, the small business. We don't take a cut of any of it. They get listed in the directory and we really just want to help them get as much visibility as possible. So our ask to all of you is come over to shop one and five.com take the pledge, please shop the directory. And if each of you could tell four people that you know about the shop one and five pledge and direct them to the directory, think about the impact that you will make on other small businesses lives. So just thank you for letting us talk about that. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, I do try to shop locally. Like we give, instead of going to the Hallmark store, we go to the local um, pharmacy gift store, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, we have to do, we have to help small businesses survive because, and, and I, yes, the big businesses, they're innovative too, but I think the small businesses, they're just, they have the because they're smaller, they could be even more innovative, but they need the financial support, which means we have to buy from them. It becomes this whole circular kind of, uh, you know, realm that, um, that we, we need to do to help businesses. Yeah. Um, we're out of time. Mina, any last words before we sign off? Um, no, I think that's it. Make sure you all share shop one in five. It really is. When you think about it, um, 42% of, um, job creation is uh, jobs are uh, done through small businesses. So no matter what you do, your impact, your impact, your dollar does go further when you spend with a small business, whether or not it's online or offline. So you really are helping a real person 
And then that trickles out to a whole bunch of different places, right? So make sure you check that out. And thanks so much for having us on, Connie. Oh, loved our conversation, ladies. So the shop one of five, my last thought, guys, for on this topic is, and again, I'll put that in the show notes. You're not only helping the business owner, you're, hope, you're helping those local economies. So yeah. it's even more impactful looking at how much control do we have over the local economy versus saying, well, how much am I impacting the global economy? But if you can change that one person, that one town, and they can create more jobs, wow, think about that impact yeah. and that ripple effect. That's magic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank one more sure. time. It's the productboss.com and shop. And it's the number one and the number five. So shop one in five.com. Again, I promise I will put that in the show notes. Um, Jacqueline Mina, thank you for being on. I just love, I love you ladies. Um, and I'm going to do an extra post with the shop one in five today on all my social media, thank because you. I just think, yeah. And you know, guys, I get nothing for it, but it's, it's important. We have to support each other. We're in this together. And, and I do agree agree with one more thing I want to comment, Jacqueline, you said there was a global awakening. And I, I really believe that I think we're becoming more emotionally intelligent as a society, which is also needed. And this is just our small way that we can be emotionally intelligent and support our local businesses. Magic can happen if we band together. So yeah, yep. thank you so much, ladies. Just a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. you. A pleasure. And thank you for tuning in to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.net. I truly wish everyone a just a a wonderful week. Um, Enjoy the magic of the season. And please, please go to the shop one in five and check out the productboss.com. I don't think you'll be sorry. And it may be exactly what you need to make 2022 um, your amazing year. So thank you again. I'm honored to have you on this journey with me and I will see you all next week. Have a great one. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.